So it's kind of, you know, where people will still go into a restaurant, order this great food from a great chef, and then choose a wine completely separate for separate reasons, and they might not pair together at all, but, you know, people often don't seem to notice, or maybe they don't care, I don't know. That's Reese Pender. Reese is a farmer and winemaker from British Columbia who cares a lot about food and wine, and he recently joined me to explain an interesting assertion. Reese thinks that North America's food and wine culture is unique, in that we kind of have two separate cultures, a food culture and a wine culture, with a big chasm in between. Reese says this is holding both cultures back, and argues that a more integrated food and wine culture would be better for eaters and even help increase food security. This is the Ruminant Podcast, a show that wonders what good farming looks like. It's for farmers, gardeners, and people who care about food security and food politics. You can learn more at theruminant.ca. Okay, let's go. So here's what's going on at the Ruminant lately. I recently posted a piece of satire I wrote about the British Columbia provincial government's intention to completely restrict the use of the word organic in the marketplace to those who are certified. I hope you will check it out. I also hope you are sharing good tidings about this podcast far and wide, because that would be really awesome. No messages left for me at the Skype number since last week's excellent call from Farmer Jack, but once again, I will remind you that I would love to hear from you about something unique or cool you're doing on your farm, something you think other farmers would want to know about. To do so, call 310-734-8426 or email me at editor at theruminant.ca to arrange to have me call you. Okay, so here's today's guest followed by our conversation. I'll talk to you again at the end. I hope you enjoy. Uh, my name is Rhys Pender. I'm a master of wine, originally from Australia, now based in Causton in the Similkameen Valley. Uh, my wife and I, Ali Shan, we have a five-acre farm here with four acres of vines, Riesling and Chardonnay. And uh, so we're farming that organically and, and now making our own wine since uh, 2011. I also have a business called Wine Plus, where I do wine education, uh, writing, judging, that kind of thing. Um, And my wife and I also have a strong link to food. We've both done professional culinary training through um, the former De Brule uh, Culinary Institute in Vancouver. We did that back in 1998. And so basically, since then, we've uh, always worked in the food and wine business. We owned a bakery making you know, really top quality, naturally leavened uh, breads uh, called Okanagan Grocery for a few years, which we sold to a friend that still exists in Kelowna. And, uh, you know, just have always, we've had a catering company, just always been involved in food and wine for at least the last kind of 16, 17 years anyway. Reese Pender, thanks a lot for coming on the Ruminant Podcast. No problem. Reese, the first question I want to ask you um, is a little bit flippant, but I, I'm wondering if uh, if you get lots of Valentine's cards every year. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> just, from the, we're, we're, just from the kids. Well, we're we're both we're both we both uh, do our thing in the Okanagan Similkameen region, and I meet a lot of p- people in this valley who have a pretty big crush on you. So. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, Reese, you get you you seem to to command a lot of respect around here, uh, and so I've been really excited to talk to you today. So thanks again for, for oh, doing thanks this. Oh, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah. 
Reese, the second question I'll ask you before we actually get into the meat of this conversation is if you could briefly explain what a master of wine is, because you are a master of wine. And as I understand, it's a little bit different from a sommelier. And I don't think most people understand what it, what it is. Yeah, I think a lot of people confuse the sommelier uh, and, and other trades in the wine business. So, um, you know, and there is a qualification called master sommelier as well. So, uh, so a sommelier is a a job that's basically in the restaurant business. So sommelier, you know, is at the restaurant, helps pair food and wine, puts together wine lists, guides customers to, you know, to good pairings of food and wine, essentially, and, you know, finding the right wine for for those people. So that's a real, you know, skill um, that's sort of heavily involved around the restaurant, uh, the restaurant side of things. So the master of wine is probably a little bit more of a business-based uh, qualification. You know, we don't actually do how to serve wine or anything like that. We don't have, you know, it's it's more about understanding grape-growing, winemaking, the business of wine, contemporary issues, all that kind of side of things. So, so yeah, I, uh, it took me about six and a half years to complete it, which I, I finished it in 2010. And there's only ever been a handful of Canadians who have done it. Uh, and I think there's only about three of us living in Canada right now. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, there's not too many of us around. So, I mean, I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but if a, if you and a sommelier were standing in front of me and we're both going to uh, improve my knowledge about wine, like how, how would how would that how what would each of your respective contributions be or your or your kind of what your focus would be? It really depends kind of on what the question is, right? So, I mean, both sort of fields, I guess, you have to know a lot about the different grapes of the world, the wine regions, how those are made. Um, The sommelier should be able to go into much more detail on, you know, pairing wine, serving wine, and that side of the business where a master of wine might be able to tell you about that wine and the, you know, issues facing that region as a whole, you know, marketing into different international markets around the world and that kind of thing right so so we you know as a master of wine you have to sort of try and keep up to date you know on what is the the industry like for sales in south america or or asia or the uk or you know the different states of the u.s and how their systems work and so you really kind of have to have a a different type of knowledge i guess yeah, it sounds to me then like like a sommelier is a little more focused on some of the technical aspects of consuming wine and flavor and and that sort of thing. Whereas whereas it sounds like you're a lot more focused on business and the culture of wine. Then is yeah, that I fair? think so. Yeah, I think that that's fair. And you know, and and the sommelier has to be able to have a lot of recall very quickly, right? So they have to be able to sort of ask answer questions on the spot. And and if you do the master sommelier training, it's. Uh, you know, basically, it's all done verbally, like the the exam, I believe, anyway. And, you know, so it's just sort of questions on the spot. You have to be able to answer them as if you are at a table with, with guests, right? Whereas the Master Wine's a lot more about sort of research and, and writing, organizing ideas and that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's, thank you for that. Uh, I, I, I partly was really curious and thought, I, I think other people will be, but partly I just wanted to establish your credentials before we get into this topic. Okay, and yeah. the topic, the topic is, does touch on uh, wine culture in Canada. And about a year ago now, quite a while ago, I wrote, I wrote, I, excuse me, I, I, I read a really interesting article you wrote for a blog called Wine Align. 
in which you you talked about how there is a bit of a gap between food culture and wine culture in Canada. Kind of like we have a strong food culture and we have a strong wine culture, but unlike other areas of the world, there's a bit of a chasm between the two. And uh, I, it, it's a re- it was a really interesting read. I'm going to put the link up on my website for listeners to check it out. But I was hoping we could talk a little bit about that today. I'm just going to do a little bit of uh, paraphrasing or quoting from your article just to give a little bit more context. Okay. You started off by saying until more recently, there wasn't a really strong Canadian cuisine and that the wine industry was, was set more on maximizing subsidies than making quality wine. But you go on to say that that is, has rapidly changed and that both sides of the culinary scene have have vastly improved and we've got some really respectable wine being made in Canada as well as a really burgeoning uh, food scene um, you then I'll, I'll quote you. you you write what is missing is where the two cultures come together the understanding and more importantly the pairing and enjoying of wine and food as one uh, enjoying wine and food as one common practice uh, end yeah. quote um, and then you go on to say food and wine cultures have developed separately rather than together yeah I mean probably a little bit controversial for for some people because there I think there are a lot of people in both sides the wine and the food industry working you know really hard to help create this culture that you know but uh, the way I I just kind of feel about it is I see you know this wine culture developing and I see this food culture developing you know there's so many great chefs and using local food and ingredients and and really you know doing the the right thing there and and same in the wineries but we don't have that tie of you know a a pairing of a classic food with a classic wine in the region we we just don't have that uh sort of natural uh link that you know people automatically know what wine to have with what food and you know would have that on on every occasion basically so it's kind of you know we're People will still go into a restaurant, order this great food from a great chef, and then choose a wine completely separate for separate reasons, and they might not pair together at all. But you know, people often don't seem to notice, or maybe they don't care. I don't know. So I think I'd like to start by asking you: Can you can you give some? Tell me what the signs are of this chasm, like with just just within the the Canadian food and wine scene. Um, what what indicators are there that there's this gap between the two? If if you know in a restaurant or in a in the home. Yeah, I I think kind of, um, but you know if yeah well in a home I think it's you know the signs is just people you know do not have any understanding of that food and wine pairing and you know because we haven't had it you know culturally historically then it can only be taught and it, and there's not very many opportunities unless someone you know seeks out to go and take a course pairing food and wine together you know they're not going to really know what to think about and and what to consider and you know i think you know the if you look at both the the food and the wine industries they're pretty new right so we haven't had a whole lot of time for these things to develop. And whereas in other places in the world, they might have kind of grown up sort of at the same time. You know, here I think we've got the food industry marketing itself purely for the food, the quality of ingredients, you know, restaurants marketing themselves, and then wineries doing the same thing. And and they're all just trying to sell their stuff, right? So, you know, a winery, what they think most people will buy 
as a type of wine could be, and often is, I believe, the complete opposite of the wine that naturally pairs well with the food of our different regions. And so they're sort of going off in two diff- different directions, if you like, the food one way and the wine the other way, all trying to meet the needs of the market, but not doing it at all together. And the, and you know, the other part of that is, by doing that, you know, with that marketing, with all the effort, say the wineries are putting into selling their wines and trying to follow these styles that they believe the consumer is looking for, they're training the consumer that that is the, the right style of wine. And yet, you know, to me, it's it's kind of a following a path that is not the, the wines, A, we naturally produce well in, in, say, British Columbia or in Ontario, and B, not wines that go well with our food naturally. Okay, so can you contra- contrast that a bit to a country that has a really integrated food and wine culture? Like, what do you see there? What would I commonly see if I went over that would, would surprise me compared to what I would see in Canada? What's well, happening think, at a, on a restaurant table in France that is less common here? Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, nowhere's perfect. But I think, you, you know, you say you go, France is a good example. You go into a restaurant and order a food and everyone, it's, it's kind of common knowledge that you would serve, you know, this wine with that that dish from that region, and it's usually the local wine with the local, you know, local dish as well, right? And so, people just seem to really have that just built-in understanding of why that is going to pair. And you know, maybe they can't articulate it and talk about balance of acid and you know sweetness and body and tannins and all that stuff. Maybe they don't even think about that, but they just sort of seem to inherently know. Uh, what wine will match well with that dish that's kind of been trained into them over generations. And and then is it is it also the case that, I mean, is it just more common to have a bottle of wine on the table in, in France and other countries with more integrated food, food and wine culture? Definitely, yeah. You know, I think like Canada, if we, our consumption, uh, you know, per capita consumption in the world scheme of things is really quite low, right? So, and, you know, there's many, maybe many reasons for that. One, you know, yes, we can, can only grow grapes in a few parts of the country. And at those places, you know, the industry is fairly new as well, right? Um, I think there's also been, uh, in, in the past, or in the initial days too, there was a lot of skepticism amongst the consumers that we even could make quality wine, which I think is, you know, pretty much completely gone today. 10, like 15 years ago when I first started in the business, you would constantly hear, oh, we can't make good wine in BC. You know, oh, definitely red wine. would never try a, a BC red wine. You know, can't do it. And then within just a few years after that, people were, you know, actively seeking out the wines and the red wines. And, and you know, it, it's it's changed pretty, pretty rapidly. But uh, so there was that sort of missing... Uh, respect, you know, one, there wasn't an industry, and then two, there was skepticism around it, and then three, you know, we've we've always lived in this uh, system with the, the liquor board controlling the wines, using these percentage-based markup systems, and the restaurants have followed through and used these percentage-based markup systems, and essentially all that does is encourage people to buy cheaper lower quality wine all the time because if you have to pay a higher you know higher margin to buy a better wine it's going to dumb down people right so so a lot of things like that i think they all come together and really uh just you know reduce it's it sort of you know stops people being able to even 
build and gain that uh, that interest in in good quality wine. Well, okay, so I I really want to focus on that 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 uh, the the notion of of different type different ways to mark up wine. I'm just going to do that in one sec. I just want to talk uh, just stick with the broader topic for one one more uh, question. Yeah, and this this might be a hard one to answer, but. Uh, I just want to, I mean, it's, it's also the obvious question, which is, you know, why does it matter? But I'll, I'll, I'll try and direct that a little more specifically. If, if I'm going out for, for a good meal, um, or, or I just, I, I'm going to be eating some good food, whether it's expensive food or reasonably priced food, yeah. um, in your, in, to your mind, why, why should I, why, why would it be better? Why would it be a better experience for me? Or why would it be better for Canadians to be going out and eating that good food, but also having an appropriately paired bottle of wine on the table? Yeah, well, to me, um, and you know, I am geekier than most on this, but to me, it's part of the dish, right? Like it's perfectly possible, um, to make both the food and the wine taste better by pairing them well together right so you just really enhance the experience and you know if you're someone who doesn't drink wine at all then it won't matter right but you know it's something like if you pair the right wine with the right food it it enhances that whole overall experience the food tastes better the wine tastes better the meal is better people have a better time you know they linger over food they talk as families you know you could go on and on i think right of sort of the benefits of of doing that uh and there's not really any other products that can be part of a, a meal so naturally and actually contribute to the you know in the experience and enjoyment of it okay well no that that makes some sense and yet we have legions of canadians who who don't commonly uh have that bottle of wine on the table and you go over a few reasons for why you think that's the case which is the kind of crux of of your of your argument here so let's start with the percentage-based uh, uh, markup issue that you mentioned because I think I thought that was really interesting uh, and as someone not really kind of up on this stuff I, I, I that was what I kind of uh, was was the most illuminating I suppose so so yeah. if I'm going to try and sum it up what you're essentially arguing is that most restaurants or other liquor vendors the way that they do their markups is based on a percentage of the wholesale price of a given bottle of wine yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that yeah. it, what to your to your view, if instead they, there was simple simply just a a standard markup, regardless of the price of the wholesale bottle of wine, let's let's just arbitrarily say it's twenty dollars. They're going to mark up any bottle of wine twenty dollars. If they pay twenty dollars for the bottle, they're going to mark it up to forty dollars. If they pay a hundred dollars per bottle, they're going to mark it up to a hundred and twenty dollars. Do I have yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. So what? Yeah. And why, what, what, what benefit would that confer or how would that contribute to more, more wine consumption? Well, I think it, it makes, it allows people just to choose the wine that they want to have without the pressure of, of price, right? So, so if it is, you know, a lot of restaurants will use a 100% markup. And, and just to clarify, you use the term wholesale price. So one thing we should be clear on is in, in British Columbia, restaurants actually don't get a wholesale price. They have to pay the full retail price and then mark it up from there, which is is kind of crazy that they can't actually buy at a lower rate, you know. So it's uh, something in the news right now that they're announcing new pricing for starting April 2015. There's a lot of controversy over what they've proposed. Again, it's a new percent-based system, but to create a wholesale price, but then still forcing the restaurants to buy at an inflated retail price off the, the government stores. So, you know, so what you end up getting is yeah, like a direct percentage markup on the retail price. 
that the wine is in the in the liquor stores. So you know, if you let's say it's a hundred percent markup on a twenty dollar wine, you'd pay forty dollars, same as your example. But if it's a hundred dollar wine, you pay a hundred dollar markup to the restaurant for the same so you're, thing. You're, you're, someone you're a... to, for someone to open a bottle of wine and and bring it to the table and pour it for you, you know, all of a sudden now that's a hundred dollars instead of twenty dollars. And so, yeah, you so know, you're, 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 you're effectively punished. If, if you want to go for a higher quality bottle of wine, you're, exactly. you're effectively just get punished. Yeah. So to me, you know, that, that is going to force people to push their, their spending down. Right. And therefore, you know, and if, with wine, it's not always true, but it's very often true. The, the more you spend, the better you get. Right. So if yeah. you push, if you're encouraging people to keep going down, 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 you're dumbing down that overall experience. And plus, they, they, you know, or if they do go up to a wine they really like, they pay a lot for it, and they're probably going to go out a lot less often. So essentially, I mean, if and just in case someone still hasn't grasped this who's listening, I mean, if I know I'm going to spend 50 bucks at the restaurant on a bottle of wine... Um, and I know that generally speaking, the restaurant's probably doing a just a flat markup of twenty bucks. Uh, that way, I know exactly the quality of wine that I'm getting for that fifty. I'm getting around a thirty dollar bottle of wine. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. No. It may, it, I. I could say that. I can say almost. I can say confidently that would that would change the way that I enjoy wine in a restaurant. I think that's a really uh, a good point. But I do want to ask: Are there are there places where they actually do it this other way? Like, can you point to countries where it is more commonly just a, a flat markup? I think you know, in, in a lot of places, there, there'd be sort of a, a flat markup, or you know, or at least a much lower markup. Because if you take you know, it's the the storm of like. Uh, the government taxes, the government retail rate, the restaurant has to buy it and that, and then they mark it up on that. You know, we end up having some of the most expensive wine on wine lists that I've seen anywhere in the world. You know, so you're paying it a percent on a percent on a percent on, you know, it seems to go on forever, right? And then, uh, you know, I've seen like in many other places, well, many other places, there'll be a wholesale rest restaurant rate. So, you know, if the, if the, price starts lower and then they use a percentage markup you know it's not as punishing right as if it's the full retail price so you know let's say someone might see a wine in a retail store and then in a restaurant the prices are not going to be that different whereas if someone in bc knows what the retail price is of the wine they're buying in the restaurant you know it's often uh it's often considerably you know more right and they, they you can literally see how much you're paying to to you know, for that experience. Now, you, and I you mean, the, the restaurants need to make money too. You know, and it's it's not easy for them having to pay these high base prices for the wine and the storage and everything. So you know, so I understand that that's uh, an issue. But it's uh, from my experience anyway. There's a lot higher uh, rest, uh, you know, margin taken off wine here than in other places. And maybe it's because people don't drink as much wine, or maybe that's why they don't drink as much wine. Well, I was I was going to say, Reese, it it seems like um, what you're you're sort of getting at, or 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 you know, some, the subtext of your argument is that uh, perhaps the restaurants would ultimately be better off if we could create a culture where there was way more often than not a, a bottle of wine on the table at a meal. I've been to plenty of meals where there's no wine on the table, and it's often yeah. because of the price. And I think people would go out more often if you look at. Food prices in restaurants around the world are not that different, right? They usually, you know, it's, you know, you pay for the quality of food you get 
but you know in a lot of places if it's similar you know costs of living in a place the food prices are going to be the same but the wine prices vary hugely right in the different parts of the world and you know I've been in Washington state just across the border here and there's wines on restaurant wine lists for cheaper than we can buy them at retail in in BC you know and just just because of all these different markup systems in Australia where I'm from originally you know a lot of places will just charge a very small corkage fee and they seem to be able to you know make a living off the off the food for the most part right and yeah. you know and people end up going out a lot more often so if you're saving 30 40% every time you go out to dinner my guess is that you will actually probably go out to dinner more often and if the restaurants you know are fuller everyone benefits right right through to down to you know you the farmer right so if people are eating out in restaurants more and uh you know i i really feel there's a deterrent in in the wine prices i've been to restaurants in bc where i'll i'll, I'll drink beer just because i refuse to pay the like huge margins they're sometimes charging i've seen like 300 400% markups and i haven't i usually know what the price of that wine is that's on the list at retail and i you know i just can't bring myself to pay you know like $70 on a $15 wine as a markup to the restaurant and it's crazy yeah well, uh, so Reese, uh, there were there's some other points you make that you believe uh, some other problems uh, in Canada that 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 hold back the joining of the two, of the food and wine cultures. Uh, but I'm going to leave it to uh, listeners to go in and, and read the article if they if they want to read them because there's a lot more you have to say. It's really interesting. But Reese, uh, before before I let you go, I just wanted to get you to do your thoughts on a on a related topic. Uh, okay. And I'll I guess I'll frame it like this. There have been some changes to the rules for selling wine in British Columbia in the last year or so. And now uh, some wineries are allowed to, to provide samples and sell bottles of wine at farmers markets in BC. And uh, this, this, this created a really great opportunity for, for, for certain wineries. What was interesting is at my local farmer's market, which is crammed with vendors, it's very hard for vendors to get in. And there's a real emphasis on making sure that there's a certain percentage of farmers at the market. There was very limited space uh, for for wine vendors when this when these new rules came in. And it also sort of stirred a discussion among uh, farmers at the market and more specifically the, the, the board of directors of the market about whether that market wanted to make space for those wine vendors. And that, that was part of a broader uh, debate about where uh, wineries and vineyards uh, fit in the, whole, in the context of, of food security. I happen to know that in this valley or this region, there's a, there's a decent amount of animosity towards the wine industry. It's actually seen as hurting food security because of all the acres that are being torn out, you know, orchard and, and other crops being torn out to put in vines. Yeah. I'm wondering how you feel about that because I think I'm just going to ask my listeners to trust me that you are very committed to to a strong uh, food system. I, I can just I can I can say that um, with confidence. But how do you feel yeah. about that point of view, Reese? Well, I, you know, I think it's really it's a, just another crop. You know, it's 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 not just uh, orchards going to grapes. You know, I, it's you know one type of fruit tree going to another type of fruit tree, or maybe it's a grapevine. 
And then, you know, right now we actually have an oversupply of grapes in the province and people are pulling out, I've heard of a number of stories of people pulling out vineyards and putting in more apples or something again, right? But I mean, it's a, it's a constant trend of change and people planting what they think they're going to make the most money on, right? And so, you you, you know, I... I look at the Similkameen Valley and I was reading something when I first moved here that there used to be something like four or five tomato canning factories in the Similkameen, you know, and that's, that's what was done here. And then now there's a little bit of, you know, tomatoes, but certainly not nothing like that scale. Right. You know, the South Okanagan used to be known for, for melon production. And then, you know, it's constantly changing and evolving it with, with the market and, and, you know, the wine industry boomed in the mid 2000s, and a lot of people planted grapes to because they wanted to get in on that. It probably happened a little bit quickly, and now we're you know dealing with that little bit of oversupply that will actually is going to take a few years to to balance out. So it's um, you know I, I I certainly don't think we're going to see everything ripped out for for grapes because there's a market for all of these products and you know the level the amount of market for each each product is going to depend on you know the quality of it who's doing it and how successful they are and and it's not just grapes versus fruit and vegetables it's it's really about supply and demand is there any way that vineyards can be considered an important part of of uh, regional food security? I mean, because I think but, that's what it comes yeah. down to is some people just yeah. see it as taking food out of people's mouths or, or something like that. Yeah, and no, I, 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 I mean, in terms of environmental impact, uh, the vineyards are often much better than, from what I understand anyway, a lot of the, the other fruit crops and vegetables, the, particularly in terms of water use. Um, you know, a, a vineyard on drip irrigation, I don't know the exact numbers, but it uses a huge amount less than a, the typical orchard. And, you know, so having the vineyards as part of the that system, you know, I think really reduces the overall uh, water, you know, water impact on a region, which can be beneficial. You know, really, too, there's the grapes in, in the dry climate that we have in the Okanagan and Similkameen, is you know it's pretty easy to grow grapes with with very low low inputs of, of chemicals and things like that right so there's a really uh, again you know from what I understand versus a lot of other crops right so so really in in, in that sense you know they're actually giving a positive contribution to the the area right right and uh, I I suppose if we go back just to your your vision for just a, a more integrated food and wine culture. Um, I don't know. I suppose you could make a case that 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 a culture that celebrates both is just going to be more uh, intimate with with food and wine in general, which which I maybe indirectly can contribute to to a more uh, I don't know about food security. That's the tr- tough one. But certainly cer- certainly more people people who understand or are more in tune with with their regional uh, agriculture. Yeah, I think you know, and yeah, I mean it, it's hard to say, right? It, but there's you know, there's a, a lot of plenty of place still to produce food um, in, you know, in our region here anyway, but there's not a whole lot of places that can produce good quality grapes. So, you know, there's pl- a lot of land that, you know, will not have vineyards on it ever just because it's not suitable for, for that type of, you know, it's 
that type of uh, growing. So there's, there's always going to be, you know, I, I think it'll max itself out at a, at a point, you know, way before the use of land that might be suitable for other fruits and vegetables is taken up. I guess I suppose that, I mean, another, another I just I know that another. I guess beef certain people have or or concern anyway. I mean, and even yeah. I've had this concern is especially as I'm a I'm a landless farmer. I don't own land. It just seems like the effect of the burgeoning wine industry in the Okanagan Similkameen has been to put a lot of upward pressure on land prices. Is that would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, that that is certainly something I I would agree on. Is you know a lot of the people get into the wine business. It's sort of a dream people have had and. And it's it's a it's a very expensive thing to get into, um, you know. My wife and I are kind of we've done it the old school way. We you know just bought a small place, and you know the land was cheaper in cost in here, so we were able to do it. We haven't had any you know big funding from anywhere else, and just basically done it from the ground up. And but if you look at a lot of the the vineyards being planted, and you know they it's money coming in from another industry and you know and they're you know some lots of basically no expenses spared to try and create this dream that that they have so i mean you could look at another a, a benefit of yeah you know yes definitely the land prices have gone up and that makes it harder for for some of the other products that can't get the same prices because uh, you know wine selling grapes is not that profitable but selling wine is profitable but you know, it's a, so it's got that value add that a lot of other fruits and, and vegetable products don't, you know, don't have the option of. But then it's also not easy to sell sell that amount of wine. But on the flip side of that, you know, you look at the the tourism that it brings, and you know, the number of people that come and understand the regions. And you know, there's no reason why reputation for wine can't also link to reputation for certain foods from an area, right? If, again, I, if you I, look to, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Reese, I, I have to say, like, that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, when I moved here four years ago, I was really in the camp of, of feeling pretty negative about the effect of the wine industry in the region because of increased land prices and because it's not, I mean, technically it's just not, it's not food that that's being grown. Right. Yeah. But now that I'm tr- like, I'm, I'm making a living here and I've, I've come to understand the wine culture a lot more I have I just have a different view of it. I mean, almost half my business is is based on sales to chefs who absolutely love what I'm growing and are yeah. like it's very important to my business and that that's the result of of an integrated agriculture and wine a grape producing region that attracts a lot of people to come up and and you know, spend dollars here and eat really lovely food and and so this culture has developed, maybe even the culture that yeah. you're, you're, you're hoping that all of Canada can achieve that, that I don't know, I, I'm certainly a lot more supportive than I once was of, of, yeah. of the role of, of grapes. In, yeah, in, I agree. Uh, it would definitely be, you know, it's definitely improving. You're seeing people interested and, and they come and visit here and they, they're buying wine from wineries they visit and love, but they also have their favorite fruit stands and farmer's market stands right where they'll you know they'll buy tomatoes from this person and you know jordan's carrots and you know whatever else right people you know even i'm sure you've seen that you get known for for certain things that you you do really well and people are you know coming from vancouver and calgary and places to this area with with that in mind so it's definitely starting to happen right but it's Mm -hmm. you know it's on a small scale but you know everything starts from a small scale right 
Reese, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. I'm I'm really excited for people to learn about this article you wrote. Um, but bef- before we go, you should mention your winery. What what's 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 your you know if people want to try and seek out your wine, how do they do that? Oh, thanks. Yeah, so it's a it's a very small, but we, as we call it, little farm winery. So uh, just you know, just make a few hundred cases, but we're farming our grapes organically, very sort of hands off winemaking. So we make a Riesling, a Chardonnay, and uh, a rosé, um, yeah, and just good, crisp, dry, fresh wines. Uh, they, you can, they can check out the website, littlefarmwinery.ca, and there's a list of uh, where the wines can be bought. And, you know, they're in a number of top restaurants in Vancouver and the Okanagan, and, yeah. Do you do any shipping? Yeah, we, we can ship directly to, to people. You can order wine online, and, yeah, we just charge, like, 15 bucks a case within BC for, for shipping. So, yeah definitely right. available yeah. right on okay well thanks again Reese. I really appreciate it yeah no worries man I hope you like that folks not sure what I'll have for you next week I've got a few uh, different banked episodes to choose from oh and it's been a while since I've mentioned that the music that provides the bookends to each episode is produced by my wife Vanessa thanks Vern and see you all next week or maybe before that at theruminant.ca take care and we'll run right outside of the city's reaches we'll live off chestnut spring water and peaches we'll owe nothing to this world of thieves and live life like it was meant to be trying to bleed us dry we could be happy with life in the country with salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands i've been doing a lot of thinking some real soul searching and here's my final resolve I don't need a big old house or some fancy car to keep my love going strong so we'll run right out into the wilds and braces we'll keep close quarters with gentle faces and live next door to the birds and the bees and live life like it was meant to be Ba 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 